folks hello and welcome back to the magic tavern it's the first one of the new year happy 2024 couple things that we want to mention of course that the new logo created by of course mr kenny grengay uh it's wonderful it's brilliant we appreciate the feedback on that we're also doing things called uh pub pack openings where you know you can see us opening some booster packs trying to expand it of course we'll see what holds for the future in terms of the Magic Tavern. I mean, you're seeing us grow with us. That's the beauty of making a project such as this. But folks, today is perhaps a very special day, in fact. It's our first guest on the Tavern, Kenny. Um, this Hell guest yeah. is um, is one of, uh, is, is in our core group. We have come to appreciate this gentleman as um, not only is he a Magic fan, but he has gone to Vegas with us, and he is most responsible for creating the ritual of heading to a cottage and playing endless hours of magic. It's one of our best friends. Mr. Riley Kennedy is here. Hello, sir. Hello. I'm so, Hi, so, so happy to be here. I we, I mean, you, we go way back, uh, us guys, and when this podcast was just being birthed as an idea, we recorded our voices and did an episode and we just sat in uh, in Kenny's living room and did another episode and now it's becoming a, a real actual thing and I just I couldn't be happier to be here. Hell he yeah. was in the room and we knew that we wanted him and here he is. To quote Hamilton, he was in the room when it happened. I was in the room oh, where it happened. Um, Shit. But yeah, Riley, we're 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 so so excited to have you here. You are um an absolutely pivotal iconic mm. member and a, a, a grander reason um, to why I feel the way that I do about this game. Um, and I like my, my deep love for this game comes from the many, many, many evenings that I've spent with you um, in a room sitting down playing cards. So there's literally no one better that we could have sitting here talking with us. Um, than someone like yourself. Your resume far exceeds what anyone else's will. <laughs> I, uh, the, the, the sort of synergistic relationship thing, because I can say the exact same thing about you guys, like why I am as passionate about this game as I am and have made it such a, a core part of my most loved and cherished hobby is from, from you guys and having that exact same passion radiated back and just the absolute ironclad forging of this friend group and our bond through this uh, amazing game 100 percent um so we've got a we've got kind of what i've what what i've what i've called the three halves uh, <laughs> of this podcast uh yeah. mostly because magic magic podcast and a math podcast exactly yes we're, we're, <laughs> we're clearly mathematicians as well um but uh that's because when hunter and i were we're talking about how we wanted to outline kind of uh this type of podcast where we're we're doing an interview, but we're also having a discussion. Uh, the first half was going to kind of be about just kind of a breakdown um, of some some facts that we might want to know about you. Oh, sorry, I was going to just say, um, Riley, just know that this is the most prep that we've done for an episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we did like a good, a good two hour call on the phone of like getting things done, like getting a Google I'd Doc. I expect so. nothing less. I'd expect yeah. nothing less. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's actually, a, it's, a, it's a point worth making that like, this is our fifth episode. This is the most on top of our shit we've ever been. And it's been because it's like, well, damn, we're, we're going to have Riley on. 
We gotta yeah, be ready. Yeah. You know, we can't, we, can't, we, can't, we can't just we can't just wing this. We gotta go into this. You know, audience. What I will say is that if anyone is saying like, well, how much of a fan is Riley? The man has the symbols of magic tattooed on his body. My so very first gotta, tattoo across my entire oh, uh, forearm. Yeah. So that's a flex and a half of just how passionate he's in. Okay, like you don't have to question anything more of. This is a fan of the game, so uh, I'm in deep. I'm in deep. He's in deep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just wanted to reiterate before uh, can you take over here with uh, the structuring of the show here? Yeah, and and actually, I I do want to ask a question about the tattoo. Uh, but before I do that, let me just let me just give the the quick the quick breakdown, right? So we're gonna yeah. do we're gonna do kind of like a rapid fire questions. Let's all get to know Riley a little bit. Let's ask him a little bit about like where his intro to the game came in like what are some of his favorite moments that kind of stuff after that we've got uh the second half which is about um more story provoking questions um and then after that the third half um we've got uh kind of a a, a group discussion um of our own personal format that we call uh 60 card casual or what we've begun to call Bad legacy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, Riley in the in the game store at 401. We're all there in Toronto. And I think the guy at the counter was saying, oh, so what do you guys play? And then Ke Riley, I remember saying, oh, we play legacy. And then I think it's involved into, into bad legacy now. So we'll have and to it, get it. It's, it's, like it's, it's legacy with a lot of extra steps and a lot more memes. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put a block there. We will we'll, we'll let's, we'll let's get back to bad legacy later. In that. Um, yeah. but before we do that, Riley, could you describe the tattoo that you've got for our listeners? Yeah, so it's from the top of my wrist to about where my elbow starts, um, and it's the five colors of magic. A bit more abstract, like it's not the direct uh, symbol that you see on a pip, but it's like a three halos for white, a swirling, crashing wave for blue um this metal kind of like i don't even know how to just try to describe it like an omega symbol almost in in black but all tattered and, and uh, ripped up a swirling fireball for green and a wreath of swirling vines for i'm uh, sorry for red and a wreath of swirling vines for green yeah yeah that's uh that's a it's it's badass it's really it's badass, badass. Thank you. Really, yeah, really thank cool. you. he's got that yeah, yeah 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 uh riley how long have you been playing magic for buddy I think technically this year would make 10 because I started in 2013 on the Magic 2014 video game. That was my, oh, very, yeah. first, that was yeah. my very first ever introduction to Magic uh, was the 2014 core set video game. Um, no idea what I was doing, but I saw, I, I saw some promotional material for the core set on YouTube or something I was watching. And I'd always remember having an interest in magic because back when I was young, I was a really, really big card collector. Like I'm talking elementary school age, uh, but I mostly focus on Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon. But if I wanted to just do something different, I remember cracking a couple packs of magic. No idea what I was looking at. No idea what the hell this was, but I always remembered that the art for magic was really cool. Yeah. Wow. But then kind of fell to the wayside and then I stopped card collecting for a little bit. And then 2013, 2014 came around and I saw a promo for the core set in the video game. I'm like, that looks really cool. Was that was that the the promo? Like, was that the Magic the Gathering game for like Xbox or something? Yeah, yes. just for yes. Xbox. Okay. Yeah, I played it on Xbox. So yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the primordial Hydra promo, wasn't yeah. it? That's yeah. the one where it's 
Yeah, it's like this weird looking Hydra that's like furry as opposed to covered in Yes, hair. yeah. I thought there was a knight on the cover. There's like a knight against Well, it's, it's, it's core set 2014. So that's also, we can, we can circle back as a re really important set to you, Kenny. Um, yes. But uh, the promo artist Chandra with the long fiery hair having holding a fireball. Oh, um, okay. That was like the key art for the video game as well. Um, and I distinctly remember one of my very first magic memories was popping off my first time with an elf deck, my first time playing elf ball, where I had just made in one game like absurd tokens and they're all like a thousand thousands. Um, and I just tried to make as many as I can before I broke the game. Like I just wanted to see how 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 much of the game handle, and then like the game like clumped out at, at an absurd number. Um, so I'll say that I'm I'm surprised because uh, first of all I I thought I thought the introduction was in university. Was that yes, I'm mistaken? That maybe that was physical cards. Yes, that was that was for the that was the first physical card introduction. But I would count that more so as like my true initiation into magic yeah like i really enjoyed the video game but i had no interest in in buying the cards and i just played the game for a little bit it's like oh that was really fun um but then i just kind of went on the back burner but i would say my first true plunge and like true absorption of the game into like a, a genuine hobby was university and that would have been end of 2015 mm -hmm. ish to start 2016 and that was with you kenny um, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would consider my very yeah. first time ever playing Magic that like, got me really, really, really into it was when I had first met you and started becoming uh, buddies in first year. But then you introduced me to Magic proper physical um, and I saw your Eldrazi deck. And I yeah. thought that was the coolest. Eldrazi's the one. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that was the coolest shit ever. Was was the Eldrazi art, the Eldrazi lore, how you how you described it to me, like in, in the actual magic universe? Um, and then right after that, I went out and I bought a dual deck series. I bought the dual deck, like the mono green, um, like Defenders of Zendikar, yeah, and then the mono black uh, Eldrazi Eldrazi dual deck. And those were my first two decks I ever made, and that was when I truly truly took the plunge that would probably be the very start of 2016 so riley was then is that like i always kind of have um for new card players there's a moment where magic really clicks and they and their eyes light up and they go like i'm invested like i'm in was yeah they're hooked yeah was it after that experience with kenny that you were like i've committed now this is it i think i think it was it wasn't an it wasn't an all-in-one immediate feeling it was playing Eldrazi, seeing that that was super cool, and like, okay, I got, I got to, I got to look more into this. I want, I want a deck of my own so I can play this game. The and then I went out create and, my own feeling. Of yeah, that. I got to, like, I, like, I want to have my own resources to play. So when Kenny and I play again, like, I can have a deck that I can call my own and play again and, and face him with. Um, so then I went out and I bought the dual deck, the mono green and mono black one for Zendikar and, uh, yeah, for Battle Zendikar. Um, and then it was the second big, like, fall for me for the, for, in, in love with the game, with having my own Eldrazi deck and seeing cars like Artisan of Kozilek or It That Betrays or, oh. um, Ulamog, uh, Forerunner of Ulamog or the, the, the nine cost 11, 11 with Annihilator. Um. Twas the dawn of the Eldrazi. Yeah, winter. twas the dawn of the Eldrazi. And then I would say the final, the big, big final uh, 
what's the word, a launch into magic was while all this was happening, Shadows Over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon were just coming out. And that's when I learned about Innistrad. And Innistrad along, like, learning about Innistrad along with Eldrazi at the exact same time was like, this is just the greatest game ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is just the coolest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great segue into one of our questions, which is what your favorite set is. Um, mm. And I, I I do think we're, we're I, I already know this. Uh, because yep, yep, we've, yep. we've talked about this, and it, it's—I think—it's something good for us to know about each other. This is something we should keep track of. Um, what is each other's favorite set? Um, Riley, we've known that yours is Eldritch Moon. Oh yeah, yes. He's got um, the book for it, right? Hundred percent. Okay. I have the whole—I have the whole Innistrad art book. Yeah. And what's yeah. interesting about having Eldritch Moon as your favorite as well is like that—that's kind of a—that's a unique set to have as your favorite. I don't think there's many other magic players that you'll talk to um, that have chosen Eldritch Moon, which is the second installment of the return to Innistrad um, as their favorite. Um, and uh, But because it's so specific for you, it's the marriage of gothic two, horror and Eldritch favorite, horror. Yeah, my two favorite genres of horror uh, in media um, coalesced in one set where I, I mean... Magic always has incredible art design. Um, and I, I think it's impossible to pick what set has the best art because every set knocks it out of the park with its art. Um, but Eldritch Moon just has such an incredible atmosphere to its art, um, the mystery of Emrakul, um, the watching the transformation of like these classic gothic horror tropes be twisted with a HP Lovecraft lens. Yeah. Um, like that, ju that just ticked every single box for me at the most crucial moment of the game where like it was the make or break. Like, do I, do, do I dedicate money and finance to pursuing this hobby or am I, or is it just kind of like a casual thing for me? And so many things were aligning that with that, with that set coming out, Shadows Over Instrad plus Eldritch Moon, it's like, okay, this is just like one of the greatest games ever. It's funny that I'm hearing I'm hearing you, Riley, I'm hearing you talk, and I always like I think we bonded through Bloodborne. That was the game mm -hmm. that let me uh that was the game that made me buy a PS4. Yeah. And now when I'm hearing all about like um Eldritch Moon and stuff like that, about magic and kind of having those mere you know the the H the Lovecraft kind of uh, aesthetic there. Um, it just makes sense to me now. I'm like, oh yeah, like I, I it's like well, that all makes sense to me now. Of course, no, no, no yeah. shock that Bloodborne is also one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, like one of the greatest games. Yeah, yeah. And and all of these, all all of this context, um, I'm sure will help our listeners in in coming up with a guess as to what Riley's favorite color is. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's it's become immediately obvious to everyone uh, that Riley's favorite color is obviously black. There it is. And yeah. why is that, Riley? Why why black? Oh, because black just does everything. Like to like, I think I think if you're looking at it like uh, like from an objective lens, you could even argue that green is definitely the best color in Magic. But to me, like black just black just does everything for me in like a mechanical actual game sense but also just on a flavorful art sense. Like I have, in total, I have one, two, three, four, five. I have around nine or 10 60 card decks and four commander decks. And a, like easy over half of them have black in, in some sense. 
in some sense. It may not be the predominant color, um, but it's black is just all through my collection. It, it has excellent creatures, excellent removal, um, excellent uh, side mechanics like graveyard, sacrifice, all that sort of stuff is just yeah. like, just really clicked with me. Um, but every card and feel and monster and creature and just like black has black oozes with fun mechanics, but also incredible art direction for me. What a, what an interesting world to be living in. When I, when I first got started back in, in 2014, the, the most, uh, agreed perspective was that blue was by far the the mm. best color in magic you know it was a different yeah. time back then really? oh, um wow. yeah 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 and and green people talked a lot of smack about it people talked a lot about how weak green was um and then i think wizards went to bat for green and wizards started pumping up green and now we're in a world where green is uh where it's at yeah. um, um well um, i have go ahead just, just to quickly bounce off of that um I also remember living in the world where white was a total joke color. Like white was mm -hmm. white was absolutely the worst in Commander. People memed on white, said it was trash. But now white is quickly becoming one of the best cards, one of the best colors in Commander too. Just a just a cool cool way that how the pendulum shifts in the in the broadening meta of this game as it as it grows more popular, but also power creep has uh, has wiggled its way into some facets as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Power creep finding its way into every avenue of Magic the Gathering play and engagement. Um, which, speaking of, Riley, do you have a favorite format? Uh, I would I would think it's our format. Uh, I mean, we'll touch on this more when we when we truly dive in deep to what our format is. But, you know, you always have you always have the biggest nostalgia or bias or love for the thing that got you into into playing it in the beginning so that's why you know one of my favorite, of my favorite creature types is Eldrazi and uh Eldritch Moon is my favorite set you know that that's what really captivated me right at the beginning and you know this we started playing and getting really into it in a time where Commander was known but it wasn't nearly as colossal absolutely as it true. is today oh um, god yeah. yeah you know where the Commander is the absolute you know monster guiding format of the game I'll, uh, I'll I'll jump in here. There's a, a, a quick few things I'd, I'd love to unpack. Um, when we use the term format, uh, what we're referring to is the, the way in which you use the cards to play the game. Um, and uh, what's unique uh, in the way that we play is we have our own format. Typically, formats um, are a sanctioned or an agreed upon uh, set of rules that a group of players will all agree to, um, but each format will have a different pool of cards that players are allowed to pull cards from, um, and they will have a separate ban list, meaning a list of cards that players are not allowed to play. So with our group, um, our our group of you know five dudes, um, we have our own format where we play with our own pool of cards, which is kind of just all the cards, and we play with our own ban list, which is just enforced by us. For example, it's like no soul rings in 60 card. You know, yeah, we're not, we're none, not of like none of that. Of course. Of course. Uh, all cards wanna... may be legal, but yeah, you're not allowed to run a, a soul ring. 
I feel you like know? we're running um, a million miles a minute, but I want to come back to, I think we mentioned green. Um, uh, green is getting uh, really crazy because uh, my favorite card, Questing Beast, just wanted to throw that in there. Okay. Um, wait, let's, uh, let's touch on that. Let's touch on that. Questing Beast well, for you. What's yours, Kenny? Wait, Hunter, would you say Questing Beast is your favorite creature? It's probably tied between Questing Beast and you guys know what the other one is. Do you know what the other one is? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Can what I say is it? it? What is it? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's Savage Knuckleblade. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. You guys know. You guys know. Grappler. Savvy Nux. Um, the absolute grappler of a card. Grappler. Both, both, both are excellent grapplers. We have to talk oh. about later on, but the lore of our conversations of all the inside jokes and magic. Oh, God. The, the memes are endless. The, like, oh, the, it's, endless. The, it's endless. I wish, I wish there was a lore master in this group from when, from when <laughs> we started to chronicle every inside joke and meme we've made. Because it's just it's so... It's, it's, it's never-ending. I think from we're everything, all the from of everything right from from Blooster Pood to uh, Boneless, yeah, just a lot of Ronald Boneless. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a real treat for our listeners. I'm sure. <laughs> you know? oh, good. We're gonna get the inside look. I'm um, sorry, Kenny. What's your favorite card? Go ahead. Oh man, you would I'm assume, you on the spot. You would assume that I'd have an answer to that question, given that that's a question <laughs> I'm asking one of our guests, right? Like that's fair. It would be fair to assume that I would have an answer to that. Um, but God, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult. Um, I'm looking at my decks. I'm looking at them all laid out right now. I'm trying to come up with an answer. Is it that Beckett I... Brass? Is it... Admiral Beckett Brass is one of the top five, if not the top three, if not my favorite. It is Admiral Beckett Brass Ragavan. is a fantastic Ragavan. card. Uh, oh, boys. Yeah. I think we found it. It's Ragavan. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it right Nimble there. My boy Pilfer. Ragavan. Yeah, Ragavan for... Nimble, Nimble Pilfer has to be my favorite card for a, a, a multitude of reasons. Like this is this is a this is a, a Magic the Gathering character in the lore that I have loved long before he became uh the Titan um that he is now. Um Ragavan, Nimble Pilfer, the one drop legendary monkey pirate is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just worth noting. I mean, the, the further lore of this group for our listeners is truly Kenny was on the Ragavan hype train since Kaladesh. Like, since Carrie Zeb has been a card when she first got printed, Kenny was on the Ragavan hype train. Kenny had Ragavan and a hard plastic sleeve that when Carrie Zeb entered, we go like, a, oh, What's that? Do you hear it? And like, do like skittering sounds. And then when Ragavan came on, he would yeet that, like body slam that token onto the table. And when Modern Horizons uh, 2 came and Ragavan was a card, like, it was just, it came, it was truly an, an atomic moment. Oh my God. Folks at, folks at home, he would perform an entire skit. Of, <laughs> I would, I would just, just, a, a, a very late pause, and I'm like, I didn't hear anything. And then I totally forgot <laughs> that he's playing the pirates. And you would hear the slam of the sleeve. Not only would he break the sleeves, people would turn and look at us. We were, we were playing in a public place in yep. our, uh, our, 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 in our institution. So, um, oh my god, we have seen we have seen the growth of Ragavan from a token to a legitimate card, and it's wonderful. To Not see. only is a legitimate card, arguably the best one drop in the entire game. Oh, absolutely. that's my boy. That's yeah. goated, my boy. Goated red card oh. ever. It yeah. like I remember where I was 
I, I like I'm I'm ninety percent sure what happened was Riley, you sent Ragavan to the Magic the Gathering yeah, group I chat. Alert emojis all through that. Well, what's it all at the time, I was just saying that Ragavan is an actual card and he's busted. At the oh, time, shit. I was in a Costco parking lot. Um, Maurice and I, we had just unloaded all the groceries in our car. We were just about to drive back. And I, uh, you know, we were just sitting down in the car and I got that ping on my phone and I just start flipping out. And Maurice is sitting there in the car wondering why I'm not starting the car, why I'm not driving. And I'm like, no way. Not only have they brought back a fan favorite, my boy Ragavan. They've made him a new legendary creature. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. You know what? It's redonkulous. It, it's crazy now to think back to, you know, three minutes ago when you guys were asking me what my favorite card is. And I was humming and awing as though there was any other respectable answer than our boy Ragavan. Yeah, it has, it has to be. Similarly to me, I had that moment with Modern Horizons 2 uh, with my favorite card ever made. And you would think that if I was an Innistrad nerd or Eldritch Moon junkie, that it'd be something from the Innistrad block or Eldritch Moon. And you might be partially right, because this card would be right at home on Innistrad. But she made her debut in Modern Horizons 2. And without doubt, my favorite card ever is Gris the Hunger Tide. Absolutely. Whoa. So many reasons. I, I like I God. think Gris is the most perfect unity of amazing flavor that also perfectly aligns with who she is mechanically. Like the the how she works playing the game of magic and who she is as like a flavor and lore character are so perfectly in harmony. She is so cool as a planeswalker that is a creature everywhere else except the battlefield. So you can just do crazy shenanigans with graveyard recursion, tutor, searching her up. She's super easy to find. And then she comes down, a massive swarm of insects that are just sentient following one moth. Like, Gris is just the moth. She's one little thing, but controls every insect that she comes across on a plane. Baller, badass, sign me up. But then her abilities, her plus one is just freaking crazy. Where yeah. you can just, just make insects, you mill, and if you mill an insect, you just keep on doing it. So it's led to so many moments where you just flood a board with a cloud of insects. You can sack those insects to destroy things, and then the more you mill, the more you damage with their ultimate. It's just, she's so, so, so cool. That's amazing. Um, and I, I, I think that that's a, a, a smooth segue then into given that Grist um, is your favorite. So we got, we've got, we've got Grist for Riley. We've got Ragavan for myself. We've got Savage Knuckleblade for Hunter. Now, does that mean that if that's our favorite, if those are our favorite cards, does that mean the decks that they are in are our favorite decks? Riley, what is your favorite Magic the Gathering deck? Oh, I would say Grist is uh, probably takes a number one spot because Grist was just like a lightning in a bottle moment. Because before Modern Horizons 2 came out, Lolf, the Planeswalker from the D&D set, was oh, yeah. filmed not too long before. So Lolf and Grist both coming out just struck me with such incredible inspiration to build 
a grist deck and I built it completely from the ground up. No guys, no, no deck list, like no online influence, like purely from my own research built the grist deck. And I, and I love it. Wait, so it was, it was grist was grist. Like you got the card and was like, I'm making a deck around this. Like you already knew. No, no Yeah. The card, like she was spoiled. And as soon as she was spoiled, I knew like I have to make a deck around this. So like, before yeah, yeah. you even had the before, card. Before even like, I had the card, like as soon as it was spoiled for spoiler season, I knew I had to make a, I card, love that. a deck for it. Um, I and love I think that. I just, I just love that because it's my favorite card in a deck that I'm really proud of. Um, and I think there's two tie for number two. I want to jump in there before you start talking about other decks. I, I would love to take a moment to gush about your insect deck as yes, well. Yes, please can we, um, yeah, we gotta your, talk about insect. Your insect deck um, has been a favorite of mine as well yes. because I'm I'm um I'm deeply entrenched as a Magic the Gathering player. I love I love the lore um created through the gameplay. I love the idea that we've got a battlefield full of uh different creatures that are fighting each other. And I find that experience um at its height. I I, I think it is most effective um when each deck has a theme that it embodies that it brings to the table. Um when it has a a unified identity I think that helps me visualize the battlefield and that really helps me as a player be more connected. And Riley, your insect deck is so effectively thematic um, because every card is insect related. Um, and so my, my suspension of disbelief stays suspended um, as a result. And so the, the games that we play with your insect deck with Grist um, you know, when you're bringing cards from your graveyard back to the battlefield, and that makes sense because they're insects thriving in a graveyard brought back to the forefront. It's, it's really, really incredible. Um, and I, I, I highlight your insect deck as a, a fantastic, um, example of, uh, where flavor meets function. Thank yeah. you. I really, really appreciate that. That, that means, that means a ton. Stan Insect Deck fan. I am the same. Everything that he outlined, I essentially mm -hmm. it's 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 scary, it's it's competitive, it's got that theme of it keeps coming back, you can never get rid of them, you know. I it's mm -hmm. like it's like that scene in uh, in uh in King Kong 2005 when they're in like the ditch and they're trying to fight <sighs> off all the fucking oh yeah, that's what oh, I get from oh, your deck. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, ooh. oh so, Hunter, yeah. this isn't the first time you've brought up that comparison, and every time you do, I kind of like ooh, he's so right. He's Riley's so correct. It's so show. gross. It's so creepy, crawly, and uncomfortable. But yeah, that, yeah. that is, in turn, so accurate to the, the power of the deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's number one. But I think the, there's two that are really closely tied uh, for second place against Grist. And I think that would belong one to my Eldrazi deck because that's been that's an OG. Like it looks way different than it had than it did, you know, eight plus years ago. Mm -hmm. But the the core theme of that deck and the car and the cards that I got back then, yes. uh, my my guiding idea was I want every Titan in the deck. I want every yep. old. I want the three old Titans and I want the three newer uh, new Titans. And that idea has persisted through yes. the entire deck. So that that that's my oldest, longest standing deck, and that you know. Eldrazi is what initially compelled me to get the physical car, so that's very nostalgic. Plus, my Ulamog Thesis Hunger, I got signed by Mark Rosewater in Vegas. Big so, flex, big flex. The, the, a nice little fucking flex there. Sorry, I don't know that's where I'm going. There, there was uh, a moment yeah, yeah, in, our, in our previous podcast um, where Hunter brought up 
the the marriage between kind of the financial and the the gameplay in that like our group is really great at like when we see a new card enter the battlefield and it's a cool card we're all just kind of like whoa yeah give me a second and that getting a card signed by mark rosewater is one of those things that our group would just melt over you know we have a really awesome culture of, of acknowledging drip, of acknowledging the flex, of, of acknowledging like a really fucking cool card when it comes down. Like we all do a really good job at, at just like giving each other that validation that, you know, at the end of the day, we are spending crazy money on little pieces of cardboard, yeah. which is like, you know, ridiculous in and of itself in a way. But but, a fundamental but, truth all the same. A, a fundamental truth all the same. But when you when you spend that little extra penny to get the flex drop, to get the alt art, to get the foil, to get to get whatever drip you want, to get the awesome land. Um, you know, it's it's just really awesome to have a play group that that sees how cool that is along with you. I'm reminded of a story. Um, it was in preface to the cottage. Me and Kenny were in a pub um, with uh, some of mutual friends, and this person she was describing. Oh, the w- guys, the weather is going to be so bad for the cottage. And we just looked at each other and we said, and we said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It truly we're gonna doesn't be, matter. <laughs> because we're going to be playing cards for like six to seven hours and we can have a good time. Yeah, and, and it never, never gets boring. It never, it gets, never gets boring. It never gets boring. I can literally I... play cards for like eight hours. And I'm like, guys, I don't get bored. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. Play, play for eight hours. Hey, guys, want to do that game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an investment. Like we're staying up to like three or four in the morning playing magic and that's like satiating the hunger man yeah yep. that's all i'm there for yeah i i never get tired of explaining that to people when i talk about the <laughs> the, the legendary cottage trip so to, to to catch listeners up real quick when we refer to this cottage trip um there's a kind of a a sacred rite of passage in our play group that was started um shortly after the uh the covid lockdowns l- began to lift um, one of the things that brought our group together was Riley offered up, um, his family's cottage as a place to host, um, us Magic the Gathering players, uh, kind of the, originally the core four of us, um, that we would, we went up and, um, we spent a few days up at Riley's cottage and primarily we just played Magic and it was such a hit. It was such a, a profound success as an event, um, that we, kind of knew right then and there, well, this has to be an annual thing. Yeah. Um, and it has now been an annual thing. Um, a tradition, like a, an immediate classic tradition. Yeah. I want to, I want to say, what is this going to be number five for us coming up this year, mm-hmm. 2024? This will be, this will be five. Five years. I think. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have the numbers on that. Forgive me. It's, it's a word of the, it's like, it's a worthy thing to fight for, to go. It's yeah. something that, like, if you miss it, it's it's a kick in the gut. It's something that you really, I feel that um that you don't like missing. So yeah, well, you never would that... miss it, right, Hunter? You would never miss. <laughs> it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Miss it at all. Stellar track record on Hunter with that. It's yeah, for uh, listeners at home, Hunter uh, is the uh, only uh, one who has missed a cottage trip. So it he redeemed himself this year. Though. He redeemed himself this year. Listen, technically, you guys didn't go to a cottage, so I'm okay. 
That's oh. what I'm going to say on that. Oh, that's oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's what I'm yeah. going to say on that. Yeah. There was yeah. a year in which Riley's Cottage wasn't available in time for the cottage trip, so we found uh, an Airbnb that we did instead. Hunter wasn't present for that, but what was convenient was that that same year was the year that we went to Las Vegas together, and so Hunter may have missed out on the cottage trip that year, but instead what we got was our group trip to Vegas, which, you know, is a, wow. What a, what an so experience aud- that was. So, so audience, technically I haven't missed it, right? You be the judge. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's, throw, let's throw a poll in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? The new question is that if you've listened to the whole podcast, um, <laughs> I need you to provide your opinion on if Hunter's attendance counts. <laughs> All right. All right. I want to know. Yep, I want just a yes or a yeah. no as your comment, and we'll know that that means you either think that Hunter was included in that year's cottage trip. You know or what's not. bad? I'm gonna be like at work, and I'm gonna get triggered by that now. I'm just gonna see a yes or a no and be like, oh no, uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't hurt me. Yeah. All right, so to 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 reel this back in here, to reel it back in, we 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 covered Greased being a favorite. Uh, second favorite being Eldrazi. But I think there's another one that I just want to quickly mention that is quickly, quickly gaining excellent traction with me uh, and my love for the deck. Because it's also a deck that I built totally from the ground up. No outside influence, nothing. Um, but similarly to Grist, when All Will Be One came out, I was almost equally inspired by a certain card called Phyrexian Vindicator. And Frexian Vindicator, for listeners at home, if you may not know, four four mana, all white, four white pips, uh, 5-5 Flyer, that if is dealt any damage, prevent that damage, and instead deal that much damage to any target. So I put together my very first Boros deck uh, I ever made. Boros is my least least play color combination, uh, or uh, sequence of colors. Um, and it's a damage reflection deck. So it has Frexian Vindicators, it's got um, Boros Reckoners, it's got um, Solfin, it's got Stormwild Capridor, another one of my favorite cards. Uh, such a stupid, amazing card. Um, but it has all coalesced to make a deck that just stomps. It has an excellent track record. Um, and I'm just, I'm very, very proud of that deck as well. because I think it's very unique. And while it may not be um, thematic in the sense that a kindred deck can be really thematic or that you have a lot of synergies with creature types or um, like keyword mechanics. Every card in this Boros deck wants to either deal damage or have some interaction with having damage dealt to it. And just to fling that back and be like, oh, okay, well, uh, nope. And then any damage you do to me, I'm just going to do right back to you. So you might, you, you got to think real hard what you want to do here. Um, I just, I just, find that can be also very uh very quickly become one of my favorite decks as well yeah i have war flashbacks of seeing pyromania in my dreams and getting angry (laughs) (laughs) last magic night and i was pretty upset that i lost in a very spectacular fashion that's my rant it's over do you have the do you have the new god from uh ixalan in that deck I have debated about it, but I think he's just too narrow for me because I think he only cares about red sources, and if and he only boosts it up to his power. So if like you deal one damage with red, and I think his base power is four, so you deal that, so you deal four damage instead. But Fair. the the way 
this Boros deck works that has damage from a lot of different sources. And Phyrexian Vindicator is white, so it doesn't really care about red. Like, that's why Soulfin, I think, is, is just the best, because Soulfin just cares about non-combat damage, which is what this deck cares about. So, Riley, we've talked about, of course, all the good decks and stuff, but now I'm going to ask you a question of, what is the worst set ever printed within Magic? Oh, oh, interesting. I think they're like there are the objective answers. Like I think um, I think Homeland or whatever the set that's called is considered yeah. the worst because it had complete garbage cards. From but long I, like, before we started, playing. yeah, but I was gonna yeah. say that that came that came eons before we started playing. The worst set, I think, in our history of being Magic players, probably Ikoria. Um, Ikoria, I I think Ikoria just because it represents a lot of really bad issues that Magic had at that time. Like, Ikoria is also in the same era as um, Theros Beyond Death, um, Throne of Eldraine, um, and you can have other opinions on those sets if you like. Throne of Eldraine, I think, is a great set, but it was, it was in an era of Magic where power creep was just completely rampant. Like, there is a time where Wizards wanted, in standard, at the same time, Ugin the Spirit Dragon, Oko Thief of Crowns, and uh, Lurus of the Dream Den. Like, those are just three cards amongst oh, a whole pile that Wizards just thought would be okay existing in the same format. Omnath, Locus of Creation, the four-color Omnath from um, the, the Return of Zendikar. Yep. Zendikar Rising. Like, Zendikar Rising. Um, those are just all cards that existed at the same time. Um that which just wanted to have but i think represents like kind of greater flaw and logic of like their you know power at all costs but i quite also had companions which which broke 60 card formats and warped modern vintage legacy like all these crazy eternal formats around um companion it was just was wild absolutely yeah ikoria i think ikoria is a is a is a good a good choice because it does represent a problematic era in design, and yeah, I was I I was looking to jump into um, uh, a little bit of a discussion in the 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 what was it? It's called partner, no companion. Um, companion, yeah, and and basically where Wizards of the Coast made a whole new mechanic um, that quickly was recognized to be so broken um, that they changed the rules text. They changed how the mechanic completely worked as in the way companion works now is fundamentally different than the way it was originally printed as working, which is, oh. I don't think something that has happened ever in the history of magic where they have, they have taken a keyword ability. I think it's a keyword ability, but anyway, yeah. they've taken that and they've said, actually, never mind. That was a bad idea. Instead, we're doing it this way. Mm -hmm. like it's it's such a bizarre case where if you get um cards from ikoria from the ikoria set that have companions the way companion work like is worded and read on the card that you have isn't how it actually works in the rules so the rules text for companion is was just so busted yeah. that the 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 real rules now aren't actually printed on the cards. And there was a companion card pre-banned in Commander yeah. before it even came out. That's, that's, the, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's the Otter, right? It's the, the, the Otter. The Otter, Luchy yeah. The Otter. 
was yeah. banned before it even hit the, the play yeah. field. Or is was banned in Magic's most well? popular format. It was banned. It was Commander at that point was Magic's most popular format. There was a card pre-banned in its preeminent format. And Luris is banned as well, correct? Oh, well, in modern. Now, in modern. Now, now in modern. And is he not banned in, in Legacy or Vintage either? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I think, I think he's banned. I think he's banned everywhere except for like a, a, a format on MTG Arena and Commander. And one one more quick little addition here for the listeners at home. So they they fundamentally changed the way the keyword ability works, and even still the cards continued to be broken. So Luris is a great example that when it was first designed, um, it was way too powerful. So Wizards of the Coast was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want to ban all these cards. So instead what we're going to do is we're going to change the way that it works. They changed the way it works. And that like kind of trips the card a little bit, but it otherwise just keeps going. Um, and it is still the powerhouse it is today. It puts a little band-aid on a massive gaping wound. Yeah. Riley, I've 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 got um I've got my own answer for for what the worst set ever printed is. And oh. I think it was a set printed this past year, actually. Okay. Uh that would have to be um uh March of the Machines aftermath. Oh, of course. Of course. Now let's 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 be clear here. I like I'm I'm kind of coming up with a with a a, a cheat answer um because because it's a lukewarm take but a very true take March of the Machines afterwards aftermath was not even really a set at yeah. all it it's was a, a group it's an of, insult to call it a set it was a group of 50 60 cards which for a frame of reference your average set has 250 unique cards this was a set with 50 to 60 unique cards and they were sold in booster packs that contained five cards as opposed to 15 per pack. Uh, they were sold in smaller booster boxes with less packs and they were sold for pretty much the same price. And, and they had collector booster variants and the collector booster variants contained six cards as opposed to the five cards in a regular pack. Um, and I, you know, I want to love the things that I don't love. You know, like I I, I want to give these sets a chance. I felt the same way about Doctor Who. I wanted to give it a try. I bought one pack of Aftermath, and I was like, uh, yeah, this, this is not for me. This set is not for me, and I have not bought a single pack since. I feel like um, I'm just gonna throw my hat in the ring of we're going around with the worst sets. Um, I guess I don't I don't have a lot of research in front of me, but I thought Strixhaven sucked. I wasn't <laughs> a fan of that. <laughs> Lessons are dumb. You know, wizards were at the school. No, I don't want to be at school. I want to be Strixhaven, fighting things. Strixhaven so. sucked because it was just so boring. It was it's so contrived. Like it, yeah. It's just, they just hard, it in. Harry Potter is already kind of cringe. And by kind of cringe, I mean really cringe. But what would happen? Like, what is is Harry Potter and Magic going to make it any less cringe? No, the the set was just the set this was just is, boring. There is no stakes. Dumb. There is nothing to really draw you in. Oh like, if you're God. a Harry Potter fan, I'm sorry for insulting you. Um, <laughs> not really, but <laughs> but it's just yeah. It, I don't think mechanically or card wise or like 
morality business wise it was it was remotely near the worst but i absolutely agree that it was just so boring to this day i have never bought a pack of strixhaven never bought a pack of strixhaven never bought a bundle of strixhaven i totally slept on that set. totally skipped it huh lessons yeah. are ugly cards are ugly strixhaven is ugly everything's <laughs> ugly i just don't like it it's gross <laughs> I know, I know that it's not out of pocket because it's literally what we're talking about. But something about Hunter leaning into the mic and being like, "Strixhaven sucks." Like, <laughs> there's something about that that is just every reason why I love this podcast. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's good. There you go. That's my answer. <laughs> that's all I have. Okay, so boys, you know what? We've done our we've done our duty here in that we're we're seasoned Magic the Gathering players, and guess what? We've got a lot of negative things to say. You know, we we're we're doing our job as as Magic the Gathering players in being local Magic negative. the Gathering players yell at clouds. Well done, everybody. We've done that. So in in an effort to fight against the the typical Magic the Gathering persona. Uh, let's swap it to uh, a positive note here, Riley. I, I want to ask you, buddy, what what are what's what's got you excited about the coming years of Magic? What what are you excited about, um, and why is it Thunder Junction? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a that's a that's a juicy little can of worms to see that you've thrown. Talk in. to me about. I want to hear the debate, Riley. Of Thunder, we'll, Junction. we'll get into Thunder Junction in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but before we go into Thunder Junction, I will yeah. say what I'm genuinely really excited for this year. I am super excited for Modern Horizons three. I think I think that just in the same way that Modern Horizons two was a total shakeup. Yep. Um, for better or for worse can absolutely be argued. Yep. Uh, but it, it fundamentally shook up modern and had and, and burst some crazy cars that see play all over the place. And yep. it gave me my favorite card of all time. So Modern Horizons 3, mega hype. Uh, Bloomborough, mega hype. I think that will be a excellent set conceptually, if only for the fact that there's going to be no humanoids. A set, yeah. with, a set with no humans or humanoid-like things such a cool creative um limit that they put on i think will will birth some really cool cars maybe a grist sequel if that happens i just might die um and finally uh, just before we jump into kenny finally duskborn i think will be really fucking cool a, a nice a nice forest set that isn't in a strat and yeah. a, a whole set in, in a house what does that mean a house sized plane what is that what creatures live there it looks like it's going to be scary. Sign me up. And not only not only that too, but it's going to be like a modern horror too. Like we're mm -hmm. going to have like it's going to be like eighties themed. Like some oh. of the, the some of the art that we've seen for Duskmorn has people wandering around with like cassette tapes and stuff. Like or like it could be like Cronenberg inspired, like like the thing. Like, yeah. just like, like, like the monstrosity from the Thing movie. Oh, like, it's and just, if there's super if there's one thing that Kamigawa Neon Dynasty has taught us all. It's that Wizards of the Coast absolutely has the capacity to bring new vibes to Magic the Gathering and hit it out of the park. And so there is definitely a time when I would have said, no way they're bringing the 80s. I hate that. That sucks. But now in the post-Kamigawa Neon Dynasty world, I got to I gotta give the mic to, to back to Wizards of the Coast. I, I, I trust them. I wanted to unpack a few more things. So when you were talking about the sets that you're most excited for, Riley, I was I was expecting Duskmorn or not Duskmorn. I was expecting Bloomborough 
to be your number one, but I absolutely agree with you that Modern Horizons 3 yep. is probably top of the list. That makes sense. You know, both your car, your favorite card and my favorite card of all time were from Modern Horizons 2. Modern Horizons 2 was just such an incredible set. I, I have to agree with you, Riley. I think Modern Horizons 3 is going to be absolutely insane. Um, and I don't think... I think because the release schedule of Wizards of the Coast products is is happening so quickly these days, I don't think that the Magic the Gathering world has really absorbed the fact that a new Modern Horizons is going to be such a big deal. Truly, mm -hmm. the half life of Magic so far. Yeah, that's what I. Yep. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if they can finally make a third, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, I, I like your point about Bloomboro being a, a non-humanoid uh, set, you know, not having humans. I have a hot take that I, I would love to voice on this podcast right here, right now. Um, if you are a Magic the Gathering player and you're playing a humans kindred deck, what do you Why? do? What are you doing? What are you doing? All right. Like, I I guess I, I don't I don't want you to feel bad about it, but like, what are you doing? We're playing Magic the Gathering. You've got Eldrazi, you've got you've got uh, like zombies, elves, zombies, dwarves, oozes, oozes, dragons. Vampires, oh, got all of these choices, Angels, and, and you want to play with Steve. <laughs> you know, like all I'm gonna say on, is man. that people that play humans probably clap when the plane lands. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> when the plane the plane lands, you're clapping. You're saying thanks to the pilot. You know, that's how I've labeled you. Do you feel that? You should, because I don't care about you. Excellent comparison. With, Spot let play, on. Let me play with Jason and Steve and give them haste. You know. That's the most outrageous but accurate thing. <laughs> People who play humans clap when the plane lands. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It goes back to the same argument to you if you're a big D&D &D player. Like D&D &D yeah. is a game of boundless creativity. You can do anything. You can be anyone. You can have any ability or any style of play that you want to have. Right? I could be a dragonborn monk sorcerer from the high mountains and rain down lightning and fire while kicking in the nuts if I wanted to. Why in a game that has boundless potential for creativity do you pick a human fighter? You know, like, you can, you can just do better. You can do better. You can do in a, in a fantasy game as rich as magic and burst out the scenes with lore and art and flavor. There's so many, there's so many cooler things to do than humans. So then, Kenny, let me pose this question to you to reel it all back in. Why cowboys? Why are you excited about cowboys? Oh, God. We're here. Oh, I want to hear it. I want Hunter. a discussion. Hunter, I'm so glad you asked. Yeehaw. Now, I, I have never, ever cared about uh, cowboys, but this the new one of the the new sets coming out in the great year of 2024 is Outlaws of Thunder Junction which will be the first wild west themed setting for a magic the gathering plane um and uh, like let's let's just roll out the hype train here okay so an important thing to understand is that uh the way that 
the multiverse, the way that the lore of Magic the Gathering has worked for the last decade and a half has been that to travel between planes, you have to be a planeswalker. And to be a planeswalker, you need to ignite your spark. Okay? Now, that's a very specific and very, very rare ability. Um, and to become a planeswalker is a big deal. However, Post-March of the Machines, there is a new means of traveling across the multiverse, which is something called Omen Paths, which is a semi-random doorway that will enter that when you go through will take you to a random spot. No longer to travel the multiverse do you need to be a planeswalker. This is a huge deal because this now means that legendary creatures from across the multiverse now have the capability, should they stumble across an omen path, to travel the multiverse and appear in multiple planes. Thus, we walk into the concept behind Outlaws of Thunder Junction. We don't know much about it. What we do know is that it is, I'm giving myself goosebumps, it is a Wild West-themed set and in the silhouette advertisement for this set, we've got some of Magic the Gathering's biggest villains just in the distance. And they're not planeswalkers. They don't have to be. They're legendary bad guys from random pockets of the multiverse gathered together to be evil outlaws together in a wild west. We're talking, we're going to get... We're going to get Spittoons. We're going to get Sarsaparilla. We're going to get... Um, the, what are the swinging Do doors? Do the high uh, Yeah, <laughs> I. Yes, 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 man, really. You know, I, like you. I oh, am so excited to see Magic: The Gathering's take on Wild West, and I'm so excited to see how they make some of the most iconic baddies in Magic: The Gathering cowboys. Red Dead Ragavan. Who knows? Ragavan with a gun? Question mark. <laughs> Riley, why are you not excited about it? Uh, it's just, it's just cowboys, man. Oh my god! Like, it's so tired. I'm just not gonna get hyped about cowboys. That's. So I don't weird. care that magic is doing cowboys. That's so. Magic ridiculous. is such high fantasy. You could do. Why do I care about cowboys when a whole plane that's a haunted house? is coming up, right? Why do I get excited about cowboys when on the horizon is a planet that just doesn't have humans at all? What happens there? What's going on there? That's cool. I don't really care that Oko is going to be a cowboy and go like pew pew, kick down a kick down a saloon door and and have a have a duel in the middle of the street. Like that's just it's so tired. I just don't care. I've seen cowboys a million billion times in a million to billion different ways. I'm sure magic will make it cool. I'm sure magic's taking yes, on cowboys. It'll be cool, but it'll be cool because it's magic, not because it's cowboys. I'm ready to be proven wrong. Uh, you'll probably know where my vote lies, but people that like cowboys and Thunder Junction stuff probably eat baked potatoes dry. <laughs> you just have a baked potato and you just eat it raw and dry and it's gross wait a second that's how i feel so hunter is this you is this you admitting that you're not excited for outlaws of thunder junction either 
My expectations are in the basement. This I am not. I am kind of just whatever about it. I'm not you know, really. I'm not stoked were, about it. I got to agree with Riley that I'm not really feeling wow. Thunder Junction. So if they can prove me wrong, I'm ready for it. I, I want. The, I want to be proven wrong. So that's all I'm gonna say. I. I will. I will give it this. I am more hyped for Thunder Junction than I am about Murder Carlov Manor. Murder Carlov Manor seems like a total freaking snooze fest. Don't care about Clue. Don't care about the murder mystery. There's murders happening all the time. Rakdos is just out there killing people all the time. When did we start caring about murders? (laughs) When 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 Rakdos is a devil god that that kills for pleasure, like. Yeah. Who fucking cares about some dinky murder in a mansion? I don't fucking care. I think I mentioned it on our group chat yesterday that I think I think one of the the best things that murders of uh, at at uh, murders at Karlov Manor, which at the time of recording is the next standard set to be released, we haven't seen many spoiler cards. We've only seen a small handful, um, and we've only gotten little hints as to what's happening on that set. Um, and our play group seems to universally feel meh about it at best, but I realized that could be uh, a really good sign. Having our standards so low really means that um, it has nowhere to go but up. Um, I I wanted to say I've been very wrong before (laughs) about sets I've been excited for. Um, The year year that um, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty came out, a.k.a. my favorite set, um, was also the same year that Streets of New Capenna came out. And before Streets of New Capenna came out, I was I was set that Streets of New Capenna was going to be the best set ever. I'm so excited. They're bringing Art Deco to Magic. Um, and then it was uh, not, it was a bit not of a wet for fart. me. Bit of, a, bit of a wet fart. Bit of a, yeah. Although, yeah, a little bit. although it, did, it did give one of the best cards of all time and witness protection, where you can turn a card into a zero-one legitimate business person. Mm-hmm. That's that, is, good. that is the type. That, that is the name, sorry. that The name of the card becomes a legitimate business person good that has to go into witness protection. That That is hilarious. It, that, that, is, that, is, uh, that is objectively excellent. You got to agree then, with that. But then other than that, like, I mean, I can, I can turn, I can turn um, freaking... Ulamog into into a little guy with glasses and like a mustache and a little cap. And he becomes a legitimate business, per- business person. Like that's yep. that's great. But nothing, well, nothing else. Nothing else aside that. Know. I think there's still a couple of good cards like Titan of Industry or Professional Facebreaker. Come on now. Professional Facebreaker is cool. Yeah, that card's fucking crazy. I think I think Streets of New Capenna has some standout cards, but I think the set itself is not one that I'm I'm particularly invested in. But let's. Let's pull back now. So we've we've covered the the first of three halves um, of <laughs> of this podcast. Uh, so it's time to move into uh, the uh, the next bit, um, where you know I want to bring us back to the table for a second. I want to bring us back to uh, sitting down in um, sitting down in a, a public setting or a private setting where we're we're sitting at a table. We're shuffling up a deck of cards. We're playing Magic: The Gathering, right? Um, uh, Riley, do you have a do you have a a moment with a deck? Could you could you pick a deck and could you tell me about a moment that you've had with it? Yes, uh, I was thinking about this uh, before filming. I mean, there's so many incredible moments that this playgroup has shared together. Like it, to chronicle the 
big moments or the you know the standout highlights like it, it, that would be an entire video in and of itself um but there's one moment that i think is is in the s tier echelon of holy shit that happened moments where it was back uh, at my old place in guelph and we we're all going there together and it was our group shuffling up for a game, but we had a we had a, a new person playing with us for that day. Um, he was more on the fringes of Magic. He was playing it much more casually than we were, um, but he was still a little bit in the hobby just because I think he enjoyed the game. Uh, but he came with a brutal jank combo where the he didn't really even want to win. He just wanted to blow up all your lands, and by blowing up all your lands, I mean like literally he wanted to destroy all your lands so you just couldn't play the game that's so it sad. was a really really crappy deck i'm sorry riley where was this this was sitting at uh my kitchen table in guelph when we were when we were uh housemates kenny uh in that house oh. we were playing we were playing with costa if you remember well back in guelph yeah. yeah shout out to costa shout, shout out, out. Costa, wherever he is now um but he brought that deck to the table and i was playing my zombies deck and my zombies is predominantly at, at that point in time uh, was predominantly a mono black deck, but it splashed a little a little blue purely for the scare of God. So I'm not sure what I did. I'm not sure if I just became the threat or Costa had it out for me that day. But I was his chosen target um, to make his deck work, and he legitimately managed through some stupid combo of naming a card turning it into an artifact and then having a card that removes all of said card from your deck. Like if it's a name, whatever, I can't remember what the exact combo was. Yes. But he somehow, yes. He somehow found a way to make all my basic swamps <laughs> an artifact and like not just on the field through my whole deck, like all my basic swamps, he turned into a, a, a card type and then he had a card that's like destroy card of all said type. So he went through and absolutely obliterated every single basic swamp in my entire deck. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't even play the game. And this was early on in the game, too, of like four or five players in our 60-card format. It was a commander game. In our 60-card format, five players is still a lot. Like five players is, on, is usually like the, the max number of players we have for any one given game. Um, but it was early on in that game. There's five of us. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be sitting here for the next, like, couple hours or so in this game that I literally can't even play. Like, I don't have, I don't have the resources. However, he only blew up my basic swamps. I still splashed blue. So even though I was at a created advantage with my mana, I still had just enough lands that I luckily drew into to play a deck that was very low curve. Zombies, I think my the highest I highest I went up to was six, but I was like one creature. The bulk of my creature were between two to four mana. So I somehow scraped together through my blue splash lands enough to play my deck. And even though right at the start I had all my swamps taken away from me, I came back and I won that game. That's pretty wow. iconic. That's pretty iconic. Yeah. I thought I remember I thought um that we were playing with like eight people. Like it was a big game. Oh, that, oh maybe you're right. We were we were sitting at a full table. Yeah. Maybe we yeah, were no, maybe I, right. I, I remember we were sitting on the floor because your table was either gone 
or it was like no, we, we did we definitely did that before we had i think i think the most we ever had playing one game was eight and that had like marisa kenny that had joaquin i think was there Pasta. Pasta was there like it like that was, was a, a crazy crazy size group oh my god um, far and outside of our core five guys a, 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 i remember you winning right, I, I remember you winning that game and, I, and we freaked out we were like holy shit holy shit but we were sitting. We were. Sti- I remember distinctly sitting at the table with Costa, and just like the way the light was coming to the room. I'm not sure why I remember that. But we were sitting at a table, and that happened. I had to like go through and remove every swamp from my deck, and just felt pain. <laughs> yep, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, but you still won that game. You were able to swing it to your advantage because mm-hmm. while he did exile all of your basic lands of one type. It left the other ones, and so you were able to scrape together enough resources to pull through with the win. Yeah, yeah. talk about uh, David versus, versus Goliath kind of moment. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's aw- I. So you're telling that story, and there was a moment while you were telling it, Riley, when I was like, "Ooh, this sounds like a saltiest moment. This sounds. Mm. This sounds like this is mm. gearing up to be like the saltiest game you've ever played." Uh, but in fact, no, it was it was one of the greatest triumphs you've experienced. What would you say is your saltiest? That's a lot harder. That's a lot harder because the I like the first story that come to mind are stories where your mana screwed. Like stories oh, where yeah. like stories where like I mean, magic is a beautiful game. I think it's my favorite game on the entire face of the planet. But I maintain that a big flaw with the game is having your your resources to play it be randomized. And, yeah. You know, a, a good deck, a good deck will function way more than it won't if you have, if you have it built properly and have the uh, the the right ratio of lands to uh, spells. But you know, just through the law of probability and randomness, you're gonna have a perfect deck. But still get mana screwed. That's um, yeah. And and in a game where like everyone's doing big shit, whether it's a commander game or a sixty card format, everyone's dropping their bombs. That there's interaction. Like if you ri- literally just can't play the game, then it just there's no worse feeling in Magic than just like having the universe be against you. Yeah, that's I I think that's a a, a really valuable point to make about the the fundamental weakness of Magic the Gathering as a game. But what I find so interesting about the whole land situation is that because Magic the Gathering was one of the first of its kind, um, it it also meant that every game after that has sought to answer that question. So if we look at Lorcana, if we look at Hearthstone, if we look at Sorcery, if we look at Flesh and Blood, um, all of these new TCGs... Um, I think one of the the core things that fundamentally separates them as a new unique idea Rune as Terra a card as well, game, the, the League of Legends uh, online card game, Terra as well fixes that problem. Mm-hmm. Right, and and like so, a few days ago, I was catching myself up on Sorcery, which is a really interesting looking card game. I'd like to learn more about, and the way that they've solved it is that there's two different decks. One deck has all of your all of your spells and everything, and another deck has all of your lands, you know, all of your 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 fuel. So I do agree. That's a it's it's a it's a never ending conundrum with this game. Um, I love I actually love salt so much that um because we can always remember the time of the explosions and the feelings that happen across the table to kind of reel it in there. And I can I particularly remember two stories uh, experiencing both of you where um I can give them really quick where I think 
Riley was like wondering how much toughness one of my merfolk had, and and uh, I think I and I was so delirious and tired that I was like, "Read the card, you can understand." And then we got an argument, oh. and then at the end, I remember Riley just going, "Hey, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, I'm sorry too, or something like that." And then I remember with Kenny, like he blew up one of my goblins, and I was just screaming at him, like, "Why did you do that?" Oh, an excellent, an excellent moment, Hunter, that I just remember from you telling that story was we yeah. were playing, I think it was a three-player game, and Kenny had, Kenny was playing his uh, red-green me machine deck, and I was playing, um, I, I think it was, I think we were just doing like a rampy game, you know, big, stomp, big, strong, stompy, just like plow forward, do damage kind of decks, um, and I was slow on the curve. I like, I had an, like an Arbor Elf. And a couple lands, but Kenny had like a temple, and I'll temple, uh, some more like more lands from Ramp, and he had a Salvala on the field. But yes. you yes. had a lightning bolt. And <gasps> despite me pleading oh. with you, Hunter, yes. saying that Kenny is yes. set up with nothing yes. but gas, with a temple. Or no no sorry not, 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 I'll draw but like with massive land ramp El Salvala a hand like a full hand I said who knows what's in there and then there's me with like one or two forests and an arbor elf oh my god and to this yep. day I yep. don't know what compelled you but you bolted my arbor elf. Yep. And not the Salvala. And then guess what happens, Hunter? Guess what happens? The next turn, Kenny oh. absolutely fucking pops off with Salvala, plays his whole stupid hand of fuck you creatures, and yeah, then he I wins did. the game in like two turns. Yeah, they were. Always That's... kill the Arbor Elf. Oh my god. Yeah, and thus we see oh, the, a that. great example of where politics is is endlessly interwoven with the gameplay that, you know, you can convince someone to make objectively the wrong move as long as, you know, mm. you can play your, your cards properly, as long as you can... Council spell. Use, council yeah, yeah, yeah. Council spells. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's oh not a counter spell. It's a council spell. Um, being a term that I used when we were when we were early, early into the days of playing magic, there was a time when our decks were much less powerful. Um, and, and often the way that our decks worked was by, and I use us because I, I think that's not unfair that, that no, pretty much all, the way all, all of, of us, our decks all of us had similar, similar styles. Yeah, yeah. We're kind yeah, of yeah, by yeah. channeling our mana slowly, but steadily up into big spells that we would cast and use those to win games with. Um, and at that time, um, it felt so unjustified that counter spells existed because for two mana, you could just stop a spell from happening. Um, and so in our play group, we had kind of a, a group wide ban of counter spells. You weren't allowed to play counter spells, um, in our group, a, a rule that has, has since been amended, but was in place for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, really long time. Yeah. And, uh, when, when I built, um, one of the decks I'm most proud of my politics deck, I ran a, a spell, um, that, um, at instant speed, I could cast in response to someone. And when they're casting something big, I could cast a spell that said, wait a second, everybody gets to vote on whether this spell happens or not. And if the majority is no, the spell gets countered. And uh, people pointed at me and they said, Kenny, you're playing a counter spell. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm playing. Uh, I'm playing a council spell, uh, which is oh a great example of just the 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 ridiculousness that was that group. 
I would like to add that another salty moment was when that deck was being debuted. I remember standing and yelling about. <laughs> I remember yelling so passionately of like what gets destroyed. Wow, that was that was a deck that made an impact. We were all having a rough day. It was near exams. Where, where do we go? We go to the top of the university center. We play magic. Kenny brings out the politics deck. And I just remember a lot of us screaming at each other oh, yeah. passionate because of how he won the game with that. It was brilliant. Uh, another one I just kind of that spurred on. I think it wasn't, it was the cottage trip at Shirkston, not last year or the year before. So I think it was 2021 when we were there. And we just played a truly toxic, cancerous game. Like our worst decks. Like it was like the, our biggest fuck you decks. So I can't remember what you played, Kenny. Maybe maybe you can, maybe, oh, maybe it was politics. Maybe it was politics to like interweave the game. I don't think it was. But I distinctly remember Thomas playing um, his model blue Tron. Yeah. Um, and I, at that point, had a truly abysmal deck that was a uh, Selesnya Pillow Fort. No. where it didn't even really have a win con like yeah. the win con in essence was just hope i can put auras on on a creature to, to burst through and have that win but it was stalked to the brim of like ghostly prisons sphere safeties oh, um i remember that myself yeah. about groan inducing cards jeez yeah so there was the whole point of like you're just not going to touch or interact with me at all but then the, the game boiled down to me completely pillow forted up so like to attack me with one creature would have cost like 20 plus mana, but per Thomas creature. per creature, but Thomas had like a platinum angel with mind slaver out um, at one point. And, and maybe not mind slaver, but platinum angels on the field as I was pulling forward up and the game wasn't ended. Like none of us had win cons, but also none of us could do anything. So Thomas with that like minus 20 or something stupid life. Yeah. No no cars on deck, but none of us just had interaction to deal with the platinum angel. So you just couldn't lose the game. I couldn't do anything because no one could fucking interact with me. It just was a truly abysmal game where like when that ended, we were all exhausted. It's so, like, yeah, we're just gonna go to bed. Good night. And then that was the end of the night. There's a moment of comedy when I think we're all in silence, and I just hear Kenny go, Can we please stop now? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's when we ended it because we were so exhausted. We're like, guys, I'm done. I can't believe. It. I, yeah, I this, think, game, this game's going nowhere. You know. Yeah. I think another another important special thing about uh, uh, our group's play on on Magic is that we we uh, we cast shame on those who scoop, uh, meaning that um, if we start the game. You have to play the game with some know? exceptions. With some exceptions, like if if it's a if it's a like a monumental streak and like there's no chance for someone, you, you we say like, do you want to call it? And then yeah. we and then we scoop, but this, we this don't we don't scoop out of yeah we don't scoop out of like frustration or out of just wanting the game to end. Like we see we see most games through to its conclusion unless it's like a total fuck mm -hmm. you like sweep. There's no chance. Which. I think that's a that's a fair segue here in in the way that we play the way that we approach magic. Let's get into into our third half here, the third and final half of the podcast here. Let's talk a little bit about our format, sixty card casual, um, or as we've come to call it, bad legacy. Um, I think that that this is uh, an important topic to cover because it's it's so much of the identity of our particular play group is that the format that we 
um, kind of all got into and, and recently, um, relatively recently, the, the meteoric rise of Commander has kind of overshadowed all of Magic the Gathering. It's, it's kind of hard to play anything other than Commander when it comes to just wanting to play games with people. Yeah. Um, and that's been interesting for our group because when we got started, we played 60 card, we played 60 card like exclusively, but in the last several years, um, we've realized that if we want to play with other players, we kind of have to build commander decks. So I guess Riley, I I'd love to get your opinion here. What are your thoughts on our format on, on bad legacy? What do you, what do you think the future of bad legacy is? Where do and we go from here? And quick framework, just to just to just to uh, expand on what Bad Legacy is. You know, it's sixty card. We use cards from all eras of Magic, but we don't use like Power Nines. We don't have like crazy vintage cards like that. But we use cards from all eras of Magic. We only subscribe by our ban list, but it's sixty card, um, and it mostly falls in line with Legacy. Um, except with our own ban list and and um, style of deck building, yes. and not not costing like eight grand for a deck, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But to answer the question of the future of bad, of bad legacy, um, I think I think it'll always be with us. I think the group might evolve, and Commander may take a much more active role in the kind of games that we play. But bad legacy will never go away, you know. Our yeah. favorite, our favorite decks are our bad legacy decks. Mm -hmm. Is the is the format that we built this group on, and I consider to still to this day the best way to play. Commander is really fun. Commander is great. It has crazy great, uh, crazy big moments. It's designed for multiplayer. Um, it's like the deck limit restriction of a hundred card singleton, led by a leader that you can kind of morph a deck around or shape. That's all really really cool ideas. But magic in its essence. I feel belongs in 60 card where you just have an idea, you have a theme mm -hmm. and you can, and you limit yourself to 60 cards do play play set of fours, obviously. Um, but to, to have that and to, and to play what I think is like the purest essence of, you know, the way magic was intent, like originally intended to be played um, with, with the multiplayer slant, I think the 60 cards. 60 cards, yes. Yeah, when you when you say the me the the, the way yeah. that it was intended to be played, like the the 60, 60 card, card deck. Yeah. Um, but the way and not even just the way like the deck building restriction of of being 60 card no commander, but the way we have to take into account that it's still a multiplayer format. So how do we build a deck that has its theme but also has enough of a side package in the deck to deal with the yeah meta of our group to deal with how we interact with multiple people and not just pure focus 1v1. That's and worth that, standing on mm -hmm. in that our 60 card decks don't have sideboards. No, we, we play don't 60 card decks, but we, we do not allow, not only do we not play with them, we don't allow sideboarding. The, the, the idea is that you build your 60 card deck and it needs to be designed in a way that it can be competitive in a one-on-one -on -one format, which typically goes a lot faster, but it also needs to be able to stand its own in a four or five player game. Right. So, um, I, I, I think that is fairly some, unique. To some um, really great builds from, from all of us. It just, it, yeah. Um, 
I, I have to say that, and from a deck building standpoint, it actually makes it completely complex because you're going around and you're trying to think of like, well, how do I last in the longer form of the game? You know, that's what, um, like deck building, I feel like is it's gotten more uh, complicated that way. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, I think I've become, I, I there was a time when I was really worried that Commander would completely eclipse um, 60 card. I don't think I feel that way anymore because I think that the more I've gotten to know Commander, the more that I've realized that as much fun as it is, it cannot provide some of the experiences that our 60-card format can. And I find that actually very reassuring, that Commander is great, it's fun, it's awesome, but there are things that Commander cannot provide for me that 60-card can, uh, that that having a, 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 a four-of play set in your deck in a smaller deck of 60 cards with a life total of 20 that needs to that needs to be meticulously crafted to still fit the multiplayer format like i think that's the biggest that's one of the biggest things for me is that the decks have to be constructed with such an idea that it has to it has to want to do its own thing but like you said it's good in 1v1 but it's also good in multiplayer but it's also good like for our kind of surrounding meta and how all like how all of our different styles blend into it and and just the creation process and the thought process and the and the theory crafting and deck building of our 60 card format is just so um stimulating and so exciting that we have our not only just our our own core personal format that we can call our own that we built our foundation and our love of the game on and our friendship on, but how it's so unique to how a lot, many other people would play magic. You know, when, yeah. when you play multiplayer magic, it is commander, but I can't, I don't think I've ever met anybody else or I've known no of a different play group that does big multiplayer games like we do, but sticks to 60 card 20 life. Um, it's just, it's just, it's so unique that it'll never go away. You might build a commander deck, but then the next deck you build will be a 60 card deck, or you might build some 60 card decks and build a commander deck. But like that format is just so pinnacle to us that it's, mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere. Long live bad legacy. Long live bad legacy. And well I said. I think that just about brings us to a wrap on, on this podcast. We've covered all three halves. We've, we've talked about, Riley, we've talked about you as a player, about your uh, your greatest moments, your saltiest moments. We've talked about um, your your favorite cards. We've talked about how how instrumental you are to this play group, um, how valuable you are uh, just as a person to us. And uh, I'm so grateful that I, I get to to be in your presence when I when I play Magic with you, my friend. I can um, I say that better myself for you guys. I just it's this is such a rock solid play group and a rock solid game that i will cherish until i'm on my deathbed um and if it wasn't for for you guys not only would i have not found magic like i have but i wouldn't have found friends as uh, as amazing as you guys in the in the broader rest of our group shout out to thomas shout out to chris um you shout know, out they're yeah. just they're just like the dudes um and they're uh it's just it's it's such a such a beautiful beautiful little thing that we have that just like forged us in such um awesome metal long of the short of it is i know riley that this won't be the last episode um, yes you know, have me on as much as you like i would love to come back we didn't we didn't, we didn't even debate universes beyond that's a whole so thing in itself 
There's a lot oh, of things boy. that we haven't covered that we can put into the next ones. I know that for sure. But uh, amen to everything that you just said of the likewise of spending time with friends. Time flies when you're having fun playing cards, boys. 100%. Um, well, yeah. Go ahead, Hunter. Thank you, everybody. And um, I believe that uh, you'll catch us in the next one. Kenny, was there anything you want, you want to add real quick? I wanted to say um, keep track of our of our Instagram. We're going to be posting more pack openings and stuff like that, the kind of content that I would like to watch, which is great Hell because yeah. um, I'm going to open packs anyway. So I might Absolutely. as well <laughs> I might as well uh, film one or two and 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 put them online. Um, but idea. also, please don't forget if you've listened to the episode, um, leave a comment on either yes or no. When Hunter missed the cottage trip, when we didn't go to a cottage, we went to an Airbnb, but then we also ended up going to Vegas. I don't know. You make up your decision. Do you think that Hunter actually went on that cottage trip that year or not? Do you think it counts? Comment yes or no, and we will know uh, if you listen to the whole podcast. <laughs> Share this episode with a friend, uh, people you know. Try to get the listenership up, and we appreciate all you guys for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Take care for now, everyone. Bye-bye.